Hello everyone, I'm your host Chloe Madeline and welcome to the Behind Her Mind podcast. Here we deep dive on all things health, fitness, lifestyle and everything in between. The intention is to inspire, to entertain and to empower. Join me as I unpack life and navigate my 20s all whilst trying to live a purpose-driven, authentic, real and unfiltered life full of the highs, the lows, the yeses and the noes. If you're ready to chat the inner workings of a 20-something's mind, you're in the right place. Let's get chatting. Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. It has been a hot minute. We are up to episode four. I am recording this on Sunday the 2nd of July and you guys will be listening on Monday the 3rd of July. I missed last week's episode because life just got away from me and I just... To put it blankly, I did not have enough time. I didn't schedule my time well. So we are back. We are here. We are up to a Q&A episode. I did reach out to my Instagram two weeks ago when I was going to do this episode and I asked you guys what questions you wanted to know the answers to. So we've got some here. Uh, I haven't done as many as I did in the first Q&A episode because that Q&A episode went for way too long. So we've got five to go through today if we get enough time to go through them all. I'm going to skip the weekly recap and the highs and lows of my last two weeks for this week, only because I don't really have much to report. It's um, been very similar in a good way, in a not so good way. Uh, I am working through a lot at the moment. I am, I feel like I'm going through a bit of a phase in my life where I have the opportunity to make a few changes and to work towards some big things. And I'm trying to just sort myself out and set myself up to do so. Uh, so a lot of it, I don't necessarily want to talk about it yet because I don't have anything to talk about yet. So if I was to recap what I was doing for my week, it would be very like hush hush. And I don't want to be one of those people that are like, Oh, I've got a big project coming out, but can't tell you for another three weeks, but it's big. Keep an eye out kind of, kind of vibes. So we're just going to get stuck straight into the episode for the week. So question number one. What are some common misconceptions people have about competition preparation? This question I really liked because myself leading into my first ever competition prep, I had a misconception about the whole entire thing. I just went in so blindsided. I went in with my blinkers on and I just was like, oh, it looks really cool to get up on stage in a bikini and, you know, train hard to get there. And that's like literally all I thought about a competition prep was that, I was just going to keep doing what I was doing, training in the gym. And then one day I'll put on a tan, I'll get a bikini and I'll stand up on stage and pose. And that's, that is literally what I thought a competition prep was. So essentially everything about a competition prep, I had a misconception about, but I did think long and hard about this question and about what the actual, like common, common misconceptions are. And I think overall comp prep, is a very challenging process and it's more it's not just challenging physically it is challenging physically but it's challenging mentally it's challenging on your social life it can be on your relationships it can be on anything else in your life that isn't directly related to comp prep it can present a challenge towards it requires so much discipline it requires 110% dedication like I honestly in my opinion don't think you should get on stage or you should compete or prep to get on stage, should I say, 
if you are not going to be 110% dedicated to that goal. Like you need, it is such an all or nothing process. And I know that there's ways, like, don't get me wrong. You can, for instance, in a comp prep, say you're doing like a 30 week comp prep. The first 15 weeks are not going to be very challenging. They're not going to be, you're not going to experience food focus from day dot. You're not going to, you know, be a walking skeleton from day dot. You're not going to like be unable to function from day one. Like it's pretty cruisy the first 15 weeks, but it's still an all or nothing decision. Like you can't spend the first 15 weeks, even though it's a bit more cruisier going, oh, well, we're still 28 weeks. So like this extra bite of food won't really matter. Or, you know, we're still, we're 16 weeks out. So we haven't technically hit the like nitty gritty part yet. So I'm just going to not pose at all this week. Uh, you, you're not going to like, uh, I'm, you know, 2000 steps under my goal for the day. Like we're only, we've got 20 more weeks to go. I'm not, I'm just not going to do it for the day. You know what I mean? So it's not, I just don't think you can choose to comp prep if you're going to not be all in on that goal. So I think it requires 110% dedication and it also requires strategic planning. And that's from both your end. And if you have a coach, your coach's end. Now, the strategic planning side of things is it's different slightly between the client and the coach. So from a coach's perspective, and obviously myself being a coach, I understand both sides. So as a coach, it requires strategic planning in the terms of the nutrition planning, the training planning, the peaking protocol, the, you know, the refeed days, the high carb days, the diet breaks, the, the planning from, you know, months and months and months before you even start the comp prep, the improvement season, the pre preparatory phase, like all of that requires planning. And obviously there is some flexibility to a degree. Like you obviously can't sit there sometimes and be like, okay, we've got an eight week training block and I know you're going to need a deload at week eight. Sometimes it's more a reactive process in how the client responds to things and how the client is feeling. But generally speaking, the whole entire process of competing, inclusive of both the comp prep and the off season, is strategically planned out. From a client perspective, I think it requires strategic planning on my behalf. For instance, I know I want to compete in season B next year, and I've obviously chosen that season for multiple reasons. Firstly, it has allowed me enough time between my last season and that season to make improvements, to grow, to build my calories up, to get my metabolic um, base in a good position, to improve upon my posing, to financially get in a better position because obviously competing is very expensive, to you know do all the things so that I am going into that comp prep phase in the best position possible from all aspects. I've also strategically planned it so that it is the best time for me to prep. And obviously you're never going to have a a time in your life where a prep is a hundred percent conducive to your life, unless your entire life is dedicated to bodybuilding. For me, I've got my work, my nine to five job. I've got my study. I've got my online coaching. I've got my family. I've got my relationship. I've got all the things. So I have chosen that season because that strategically works well and is the least disruptive to my life because I am not a bodybuilder. I do bodybuilding. There is a big difference in that. So I just wanted to preface that from the get-go. But I've written a list of misconceptions, back to the question, and I'm going to just run my way through them. So misconception number one I wrote down as competition prep is solely about physical appearance. Wrong. Whilst physical appearance is a component of comp prep, it isn't the sole focus. 
It also involves developing your strength, improving your overall athleticism. It encompasses various aspects such as nutrition, training, mindset, performance, posing, stage presence, like all the things. So when I say that this is a misconception, I take this back to when I first, first, first ever decided to comp prep. And I literally just thought I would train to look good to get on stage. And that was it. There is so much more to a comp prep besides those things. You have to have the nutrition aspect. You have to have the performance aspect, inclusive inclusive of posing and stage presence. You have to build your strength and try and maintain your strength throughout the comp prep. You're building your cardiovascular endurance when you start introducing those cardiovascular components for both an output perspective and from a posing perspective because posing is damn hard when you're on stage and you're trying to hold a pose for a certain amount of time and you're literally thinking in your head, can the announcer tell me to change spots? Like I I remember standing there and I was like on one side and obviously as a female in WBFF, our posing is a bit more fluid and we don't have like strict rules. I had posed on one side and I was obviously like doing the glute pop on the one leg. So one of my legs had the brunt of my weight and I remember just it felt like I was standing there for 15 minutes on this one leg to the point that I was like if this person does not tell me to change direction or to do a quarter turn I'm gonna lose feeling in my leg and I'm gonna trip like right in front of everyone so cardiovascularly you need to have that endurance to pose on stage and it's not a five minutes on stage it can be 20 minutes it can be 30 minutes like you just have no idea so you have to prepare for everything Uh, I think also competition prep has a massive mindset aspect like I that was one of the things that I really really I wouldn't say struggled but it was very prominent in my third prep and a lot of things came down to mindset and I found a lot of the things I was quote-unquote struggling with could be slightly fixed by working on my mindset like my number one thing that I had running through my head throughout my comp prep was It is only as hard as you make it out to be. And that was such a big thing for me to remember at all times. So like I remember I'd wake up in the depths of comp prep and I knew I had to do A, B and C all day. And, you know, if I woke up with the attitude that today is going to be so hard, I know it's going to be a drag. I've got to do an eight hour work day and then I've got to go to the gym and I'll be there for four hours because I've got posing and steps and cardio and leg day and, you know, I'm setting myself up for my day to be a drag because I've woken up and I've like set the standard for the day based on that mindset. Whilst I could have just woken up and gone, you know what, this is what I've got to do. A, B, C, and D. I'm going to get it done. It is what it is. I've chosen to do this. It's a privilege to comp prep. No one's got a gun to my head telling me I need to comp prep. I can pull out at any time. I want this goal. So I'm going to do everything necessary to get to that goal. And that instant change in mindset just makes things that much better like it just you are in control of your thoughts and your emotions and the way that you handle things and the way that you approach things so I think mindset is a massive component to a comp prep so misconception comp prep is solely about physical appearance is incorrect because in reality it's about 100 different other things as well as physical appearance misconception number two I wrote down as competitors achieve their desired physique quickly and effortlessly and again this comes back to what I thought when I first started prepping uh in that I literally thought you know I'll just keep training some more maybe another eight weeks and then all of a sudden like just by doing the exact same thing I'll have the physique that I didn't have prior and I'll get on stage and compete 
wrong. Comp prep is a time-consuming and demanding journey. Comp prep isn't just your 25 weeks that you prep. Comp prep's the before, the comp prep, the reverse, the after. It's literally 365 days a year, year on year on year. Uh, It requires, you know, as I said earlier, consistent hard work, discipline, sacrifice. It involves meticulous planning. It involves strict adherence to your nutrition and your training protocols and your step protocols and your, you know, sleep targets and water intake and meal timing and all those things. And it requires consistently monitoring your progress. And this includes both if you are a client with a coach or if you are coaching yourself, like There's no quick speed about this process. There's no effort that is not put into this process. The entire thing takes time. The entire thing takes effort. And without time and without effort, I don't think you can be successful as a competitor because you are simply just not understanding and comprehensive enough of the process to understand that in reality, It is time consuming and it does require effort and it requires all the things to get to stage. So that's misconception number two. Misconception number three that I had down was extreme and unhealthy practices are necessary to achieve competition ready physiques. Yes and no. Yes, only because I know that some coaches and some coached, like self-coached clients will use extreme and unhealthy practices to achieve quote unquote a comp ready physique but extreme and unhealthy practices are not necessary although a caveat to that is that in the last you know week or two of a comp prep overall it is probably very extreme and unhealthy and it's not sustainable but as a competitor you're aware of that from the get-go you know that you're going to get to an unsustainable level of body fat and you're going to feel like absolute crap And you know that the reverse is around the corner and you're going to, you know, put the body fat on and get back up to a healthy level. But for the entirety of the competition prep, you do not have to use extreme and unhealthy practices. You don't have to start a comp prep at 25 weeks out and drop down to 1100 calories and, you know, ride those out until you get to peak week and you're on 500 calories because you've, you've had air for breakfast and ice for lunch and your dinner is a salad, you know? So I don't think, you know, in general, some competitors will resort to unhealthy practices. They'll resort to excessive exercise. They won't take rest days. They won't take deloads whilst they're comp prepping. They'll do crash dieting. They will do, you know, very extreme, extreme protocols. However, as a reputable coach myself and other reputable coaches out there will emphasize that you can comp prep and use sustainable and healthy approaches. And I put quote marks on the healthy approaches because obviously, as I said, the last couple of weeks are not healthy, but they're not not healthy based on the approach that you're taking. They're not healthy because you've just spent 25 weeks getting down to an unsustainable level of body fat. And so the approach itself is probably not very different from what you were doing at 25 weeks out, although you might have a bit less calories. But as you have dieted for those 25, 30 weeks, whatever it may be, your body has obviously like gradually decreased in body fat and your body is getting to a unsustainable level of body fat, which becomes the unhealthy part. It's not the approach. So I think 
If you focus on proper nutrition, a balanced training, and gradual body compositions, you can take a healthy and sustainable practice towards a comp prep, and you can enhance your performance throughout, and you are also prioritizing your long-term well-being. I think if you take extreme and unhealthy practices from the get-go, you are just setting yourself up for your well-being to be shot in the ground, essentially. So my next misconception is that comp prep is suitable for everyone. And I mean by this in that someone, like anyone could just wake up and say, I want to comp prep. I don't think that's correct. I think I think you have to be a certain type of person to be able to comp prep. And I think you have to have the right, you know, values, the right mindset, the right uh, purpose for doing so, the right the right everything, essentially, I think because it's such a highly specialized and individualized process, it's not suitable for everyone. It requires a significant commitment of your time, your energy and your resources. And whilst it may be suitable for you, it may not be suitable for you right then. So I think there's two limbs to this. There's the one where it's just not suitable for the person in general. And that could be for a number of reasons. It could be something as simple as that the competitor or the person uh, doesn't doesn't want to commit their time and take time away from their day to do the necessary steps to do and that's not a pun I mean the necessary steps but to actually do their step target and to do their cardio and to hit their macros to a T and to drive out to Woolworths late at night because they are missing their scale broke and they need to get batteries and they need to be able to weigh their last meal for the day. So I think there's that side of it where someone is just not willing to do all the necessary things to compete, which is completely fine. And as I said, it's not suitable for everyone. There's also the other limb where it is suitable for you, but it may not be suitable for you in that time. So for instance, I could have prepped for season B this year, season B 2023, but I have a holiday in August for two weeks to New Zealand. And I don't want to, you know, spend those two weeks in New Zealand with my partner like prepping I don't want to be having to find a gym five times a week I don't want to be going for my steps late at night I don't want to be doing all those things I want to enjoy my holiday with my partner and it just means that like I've decided that season b this year is not suitable for me but season b next year is so overall competitors have to have in my opinion a solid foundation prior to actually competing I don't think someone can just go to a coach and say hey I've got this comp in mind, like it's in 16 weeks, let's go. I've never trained properly before. I've never applied progressive overload. I've never tracked my macros, but I've got 16 weeks to get it all together. I think you have to have a foundation before you begin. I think a competitor has to have a strong mindset or has to be aware of what comes up for people in a comp prep and what what things they're going to have to deal with and what things they're going to have to kind of work through. And I think they have to have a genuine desire to compete and it comes back to the why. And I know this is harped on quite a bit amongst the competitor community. It's that you need to have a strong why. What's your why? Your why is going to get you through, you know, all those things. But I actually do think it's true. Like you have to know why it is that you have decided to put your body through an extreme sport to get on stage for six hours, not even on six hours for the day, but to get on stage, to be at a competition for six, 12 hours, whatever it may be, to spend maybe 20 minutes on stage for a trophy, if you were lucky enough to place, or for a, you know, participation medal for others. I just think you really have to have that genuine, genuine why behind why you are competing. 
I also think just overall, it comes down to the individual deep diving within themselves and really working out, do I want to compete or am I competing for the wrong reasons? Like, am I competing because I think I'm going to get my dream body at the end of this and this is the way to do it? Do I want to compete or am I just doing it because everyone around me is doing it and I feel like I need to? Do I want to compete or am I setting myself up for failure because I've decided to compete in a time of my life where competing is not conducive to everything else that I have going on that isn't negotiable as three examples. And my final misconception that I put down was once the competition is over, the journey ends. Again, I take this back to my first prep. I, which I mean, I never got to stage, but I prepped up until maybe six weeks out. And then I, obviously my show was canceled because of COVID. And then I was like, you know what? My competing journey's done. I'm going to stop getting coached and I'm just going to do nothing. And that was such a bad decision of mine. I should have stayed with my coach and reversed out and done the things. But competitors, I feel, often view competitions as milestones in their fitness journey. And I mean this more so from a like a first-time competitor or someone that's kind of never competed before and has just had the thought that this might be something they want to do. And they think, you know, it, it's just a it's a goal that I want among like along my fitness journey. It's a a stepping stone to greater things. It's a, you know, but you can't, I don't think you can just prep, compete, and then that's that. That's the fitness journey done, like the night of show day. Uh, the post-comp phase is so important. It's, it's almost more important than the comp prep itself. You need to be focusing on recovery. You need to be focusing on the transition from a comp prep to a improvement season. You need to be setting new goals. You need to be getting your body in a healthy manner. You need to be building those calories up. You need to be gaining the body fat. You need to be working through all the things that you will work through and just trying to make it through to the other side, really. I just think it is so, so vital to adopt approach with your coach or an approach amongst yourself if you are self-coached that promotes physical and mental well-being beyond the competition. Like it is, it's just from experience, it is so, so important to place some focus and some emphasis on day one post-comp and onwards. Because I myself struggled. I struggled so much. And I struggled more from a mental side than a physical side. I had my struggles physically from the get-go. And I've been very open about that. But mentally, even just something little like I... So I got up to the same sort of scale weight that I was prior to prepping. But that scale weight did not feel the same as my scale weight pre-prep. And I almost felt bigger. And I felt uncomfortable. And I felt like... It was almost like an out-of-body experience. Like I didn't feel like myself in my own body because to get from A to B, to get from improvement season to show day, it's very, very slow. It's a slow, gradual decline of your body fat. To get from show day to say like five, six weeks post-show, it's so quick. You gain the body fat so quickly. And don't get me wrong, that's what you want and that's the goal. But because it's so quick, you you don't have time to adjust mentally. You go from A to B really quickly and you're like, I don't feel like myself in my own body right now because I mentally still feel like the girl that was stepping on stage six weeks ago. So that is question one done. And you know what? I only chose five questions this time because I was like, I don't want to be speaking for 50 minutes. 
but I'm pretty sure I've already been speaking for 25 and we've made it through question one. So I might just drop it down to three questions. Um, so I will be, we'll see how we go. Okay. So question number two that I got in my, I actually got this one in my anonymous one, which is odd, but it is your relationship it for you. So we are doing a little digression from a fitness question and we're going to my personal life. Is my relationship it? Like, is this the one? And my answer simply is yes. Why would I be with someone or be in a relationship if it's not the end goal, if it's not end game for me, if it's not, you know, I just don't think, I mean, fair enough. Some people may decide that, but for me personally, I'm not going to invest my time into someone or to something if I don't see the end goal, you know, the, and this is obviously my choice and my values and whatnot, but like the marriage, the kids, the home, the growing old with the person. So yes, simply put, my relationship is for me. And I am very adamant that like Corey, my partner is the one (laughs) as cheesy as that sounds. And I don't sit here in my relationship and think about, you know, the grass being greener on the other side. I don't think about what's next for me. I don't think about other people that I may be interested in. I just, none of those thoughts even enter my head because I feel like if you are thinking of those things, you maybe need to reevaluate whether you should be in the relationship or you should be with the person. If you're thinking about the next best thing that's going to come along. Speaking more generally though, I feel when I do, when I have come to that decision, there are like heaps of different things that I consider before I, like before I decide that someone is the one I want to be with or the relationship is for me. And obviously they're all just super, you know, normal things to think about. Like I mutually respect Corey and he respects me. We have shared values. Our communication is really effective. Uh, he emotionally supports me. We have trust between our, between each other. Um, our, our lives and us as people, we are very compatible in various aspects. We have shared goals for ourselves individually, ourselves as a couple and our future. We have, uh, obviously an emotional connection. There's just so many things. There's a whole entire list of things that I think come into play when I decide if the relationship's for me or if the person is for me. But, you know, to cut a long story short, yes, this relationship is it for me. I find this question very funny because every time I post a question box, I get the question, are you single? And it's very obvious that I'm not single and I'm like, I don't hide my relationship or my partner, but I think because I don't, you know, post about it every second day and I don't have them on my stories every second day that someone just comes along and goes, Oh, she's single. So I'm just going to ask her, are you single? And it's just like, no, I have not been single for a while. And I've been very open and I answered that same question every single time. So last time, yes, this relationship is for me. So question, moving on. Question number three, I have combined two of the questions I got. So one of the questions was, what are some strategies or tips to maintain motivation during prep? And then another question that I got was, what are some effective strategies you use to keep your clients motivated and engaged throughout their health and fitness journey? So one is prep related. One is 
from a coach's perspective, but I think they're both very similar answers. So firstly, I think it's very important to set clear and realistic goals. I think it's very, you set yourself up for failure. Essentially, if I'm going to sit here and my goal is to deadlift 400 kilos when I'm a 75 kilo, five foot two female, like that is just, it's not a doable goal for me. I don't know if it's doable in general for a five foot two female. So my number one tip to maintain motivation is to make sure the goals that you have set are both clear and realistic. And I really like the SMART acronym and I grew up with the SMART acronym, but I think it's really, really, really applicable to most situations. So ensuring that your goal is specific, it's measurable, it's attainable, it's relevant, and there is a time frame to it. I find if I don't have that timely aspect to it, it doesn't get done or it doesn't get done as quickly as it could or it doesn't get done as efficiently as it could. Uh, So I think having overall a clear vision for your comp prep or your health and fitness journey, whichever uh, type of person you are, of what you want to achieve and you can further break it down into smaller milestones, which will keep you motivated and focused throughout the entire process. So for example, as a competitor, my goal right now obviously is to compete in season B 2024. So to break that down, I know I have different phases between now and then. So at the moment I'm in a building phase And then I will do a mini cut at some stage and then I will do a pre-prep phase and then a comp prep phase. So that's some smaller milestones in between. Within those smaller periods, I know that, for instance, with my current phase, I have a, to put it into numbers, maybe a 10-week training block. And in that 10-week training block, I know that my smaller goals will be to, you know, improve my strength on the hack squat that I do every single Tuesday night. Or it might be that I know I've got 10 weeks to really build my calories up. So it's to try and be nutritionally consistent over 10 weeks to ensure that my body is in the most, in the best position to allow myself to grow those calories up as high as I can. Um, And then obviously overall, I have a clear vision. I know what I want to do and I know And I roughly know how to get there in a like roughly mapped out kind of timeline of things. So that's my number one, set clear and realistic goals. Number two, which I alluded to this in my earlier question is find your why. And I think, as I have already said, if you've got a strong why and you understand and connect with your deeper motivations for doing what you're doing, whether that's competing or whether that's embarking on a health and fitness journey or whether that's, you know, you've set a goal to lose 10 kilos in a year or you've set a goal to jump on a to jump on a I don't know powerlifting platform and hit a PB of 60 kilos on the bench press or whatever it may be if you can understand and connect with your deeper motivations you will be more motivated to do so it just goes hand in hand Uh, Another thing is to identify the reasons why you begun this journey and why you decided to go down the competing path or to go down the powerlifting path or the, the weight loss path or whatever path you may be going down. And by understanding the reasons why you started your journey, it allows you to understand what in particular drives you to want to succeed and to succeed overall. Whether it's its personal growth, um, a desire to challenge yourself, a passion for the sport, whatever it may be, 
being able to remind yourself of your why can provide you a very, very powerful source of motivation when things get tough and when things get challenging and when your body is screaming at you to stop, if you can resort back to your why, you will be able to keep going. So that's number three, number two, I think. Number three, I think it's really important to have a support and accountability circle around you and to be able to seek support and accountability when you require it by surrounding yourself with a supportive network of individuals who understand and encourage your goals. And this obviously works for both the extreme end in competing and just maybe your goal to lose weight or your goal to live a better, healthier, balanced lifestyle, whatever it may be. By having that supportive network of individuals who understand you and can encourage you and can be a, you know, support network for you, it can help you stay motivated because they can help you and hold you responsible for your actions and for your progress because they're aware of what you were setting out to do in the first place. This can, it can be anyone. It can be your friends. It can be your family. It can be a training partner. It can be a coach. They can all provide you with guidance, feedback, and support throughout your journey, no matter what your journey is or no matter what part of your journey that you're on. I think just having such a good support circle and accountability circle is so, so, so foremost in this kind of situation. And I found that to be very, very apparent when I was competing. And I don't think I could have done what I did without having at least someone in my circle to support me and to keep me accountable. Another thing is to keep you know to maintain my motivation whether it's through prep or just through my health and fitness journey or to help my clients keep motivated during their health and fitness journey is to focus on the process and not the outcome and this is like this was emphasized to me so much when I competed but I can see it for any journey that you go on if you are so focused on the end goal and on the final result and you're solely fixated on that final result or that end goal or that show day or that lift that you're trying to hit or that number on the scale, what's next? Like, what, do you just resort back to everything you were doing prior to get you to the stage that you were in prior to hitting your goal? I think it's so important to appreciate the daily improvements and the lessons that you're learning and the things that you're gaining as a result of learning those lessons and the growth that you're making personally and physically and the you know, embracing the challenge and embracing the struggle and embracing the hard because it all is a part of the process. And I think finding fulfillment in the journey in itself provides almost hand in hand a source of motivation to keep going. If you were just fixated on the stage, for instance, if we're bringing this back to a comp prep, what are you going to do after stage? How are you going to handle your reverse? How are you going to handle getting up at 6am to do steps when your body is screaming at you to sleep for another four hours? How are you going to handle like practicing your posing for 10 minutes a day, day on day out. And when your body is telling you that you just want to sit down and rest for a little bit, how are you going to handle cooking your meal that you have mapped out in my fitness pal when your cravings are telling you that you want a block of chocolate for instance having the focus that's on the process and obviously you can focus on the outcome too like you are doing it to get to stage if we're bringing this back to a comp prep situation 
but focusing on the process and not just the outcome and appreciating and embracing everything that comes with the process of getting to where you want to be, it will intrinsically motivate you to keep going. Another thing that I always, always emphasize to my clients, and it does allow myself to keep motivated during prep or during my health and fitness journey, and I also find it does motivate them as well, is to take care of your overall well-being. A health and fitness journey is not just training and nutrition. You need to prioritize self-care. You need to prioritize rest. You need to prioritize recovery. Otherwise, you're going to burn out. That's why we have rest days. That's why we have deloads. That's why we try and get adequate amount of sleep. That's why we try and keep hydrated. That's why we do all these extra things. It's not just here's your training program. Here's your nutritional protocols. Go ham. We have to include all the other aspects of a health and fitness journey to overall be a better human. We need to incorporate stress management techniques. And obviously this differs from person to person, but they can include things like meditation, mindfulness, engaging in activities outside of the gym, going for a dance class, going for a walk with your friends, going for a hike, going mountain climbing, going for a bike ride with your partner, whatever it may be, maintaining a balanced lifestyle and taking care of your mental and emotional well-being is crucial for sustained motivation. And obviously, if I bring it back to a comp prep, a comp prep isn't necessarily conducive to a balanced lifestyle, but you incorporate that balanced lifestyle when you're in your improvement season and you give back to the areas of your life that you had to take a bit more from whilst you were competing. Another thing that I use to keep my clients motivated and engaged is both progress tracking and celebrating the smaller milestones. So I always encourage my clients to track their progress consistently. And this includes measurements. It includes photos. It includes performance data and tracking their logging their weights while they're in the gym, keeping a journal, uh, you know, doing all the things like seeing physically seeing tangible evidence of your progress can boost your motivation as well. And it provides you a sense of accomplishment. Like, for instance, if you're on a goal, if you're on a path, sorry, to lose 10 kilos in a year. Along the way, you might break that down into full lots of 2.5 kilos. So each time you hit that 2.5 kilo mark of scale weight lost, that's a, a bit of an accomplishment along the way. It allows you, you can visually see the evidence of your progress in both photos and in data. I think too, as well as progress tracking, it's allowing yourself to celebrate your accomplishments and to celebrate your milestones. You need to be able to acknowledge and celebrate both the small milestones and the significant ones. So of course, I'm going to celebrate the fact that I got on stage and I competed, but I'm also going to celebrate the fact that I just made it through a 25 week prep of highs and lows and everything in between to get to that one day, which was that significant milestone. I'm going to celebrate the fact that I just dedicated myself 110% to this goal for 25 weeks, as well as celebrating the fact that I just showcased what I presented on stage from those 25 weeks. You are literally able to and have the permission to celebrate anything and everything. It can be hitting a new personal best in the gym. It can be reaching a body comp goal. It can be that you've consistently followed a nutritional plan. You can, you know, recognizing achievements that you've hit or achievements that you've made reinforces that positive behavior and then encourages the continued effort. So, If I've got a new client coming to me that's never tracked a day in her life and she is just starting to learn MyFitnessPal and 
micronutrients and macronutrients and all the things, the first goal that we set might just be to incorporate more fruit and veg in her main meals, in her breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, you know, throughout the week, she might notice that she's feeling so much better and so much more full after her meal because she's eating a minimum target of fruit and veg intake. And then the next week, we might start introducing, you know, a goal of, I mean, it it could be anything really, but it could just be a goal of starting to track her food and we are going to try and hit just the protein and the calorie targets and carbs and fats can be interchangeable. And then once we've kind of worked our way through that, we'll eventually start trying to hit all three macros and we'll try and hit carbs, fats, protein, and our calories all at once. And being able to celebrate those achievements along the way and the small little milestones that we're hitting on the path to the greater you know, outcome of being able to track through and through reinforces the positive behavior of what she's doing and encourages her to keep going and to keep putting in the effort and to keep you know, showing up for herself because by doing that, by showing up for herself, by putting in the effort, by, you know, doing all the things to work towards being able to track through and through, she's reinforcing that positive behavior and those positive actions and she's going to get to her goal. Another thing that I like to incorporate to keep clients motivated and to keep myself motivated is to make sure that there are regular check-ins. So I find by maintaining regular communication with my clients, And as a client myself, maintaining regular communication with my coach, it provides me and them an opportunity to address any challenges, to answer any questions, to provide feedback, to offer support. And I think as a coach, by demonstrating consistent support to my clients and by being present, it helps my clients feel valued and feel motivated and feel like they've got that support network, which, you know, goes back to one of the other previous strategies I spoke about about having your support and your accountability network, which allows you to stay motivated. Another strategy I like to implement as a coach is personalization and autonomy. I think it is so empowering to allow my clients to be involved in the decision-making process and for it to be a more collaborative approach. Obviously, there is a like a difference in authority, if you will. So obviously, I am the coach, they're the client. But I think to... As a client, you can still be involved in the decision because at the end of the day, it's your journey. So for instance, if I had a client come to me and we started on a health and fitness journey, I might lay out to her that, you know, we're going to do a four week like maintenance phase. We're going to set some healthy habits. We're going to recomp a little bit and then we're going to enter into a dieting phase for x amount of weeks and then we're going to reverse and enter into a surplus a slight surplus and start gaining she might get to say week eight of the dieting phase and she might be saying like hey i'm experiencing a b and c could we do this and then obviously i would take that on board and it would be more of a collaborative discussion about what the next step is moving forward i think by allowing incorporating you know clients preferences their interests their feedback into their own training and their own nutrition plan it allows clients to have autonomy and ownership over their journey which enhances their motivation and their commitment to the journey if you're just barking orders at your clients and saying do a b and c there's no rationale behind this just do it they're not going to be committed to it they're not going to be you know, committed to doing A, B, and C and getting to the goal because they don't even know why they're doing A, B, and C. Uh, 
I guess overall, there are so many, so many different strategies that you as a client or you as a competitor can incorporate to remain motivated towards your goal. And similarly, as a coach, there are so many different strategies that I can provide to my clients to keep them motivated and working towards their goals. I've just rambled on about, you know, a couple of them, but the list goes on and on. And we're going to end the Q&A there. I did four slash three questions because I put two into one. I don't wish to be chatting for too long because I do have a habit of chatting for too long. But I hope you guys enjoyed this Q&A. I do apologize again for missing last week's episode, but life just got away from me. But we're, we're back to the weekly ones from now. I will be doing a solo topic episode next Monday for you. Topic to be announced soon. I hope you all have a lovely day or night whenever you are listening to this. And I will chat to you and be in your ears next week. And that is a wrap for today's episode. Thank you for listening to the Behind Her Mind podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, a follow and a review on whichever platform you were listening from would mean the absolute world. For guest and topic suggestions and to keep up to date with all things Behind Her Mind, please come and connect with us on Instagram at Behind Her Mind Pod. I will be in your ears again next Monday, so stay tuned.